Thank you, Pastor Joe, for that warm welcome. And hello and welcome to uh, all of you who are here live or uh, at a distance. This morning, I'd like to uh, start with uh, man's best friend, whom you see right to the, uh, this area of the screen. And as we come into this series, uh, at this stage of it, about moving forward, uh, we've been hearing a lot of statistics lately uh, for the last six months, nine months. Um, but recently I read some other statistics that have nothing to do with COVID. Uh, one writer says that every year between 60,000 and 200,000 people will die because of a certain medical condition known as DVT, which is deep vein thrombosis. And this DVT usually occurs in a person's uh, legs where the blood is pulled. It kind of just slows down and circulates just in that area. And eventually uh, a blood clot forms and that blood clot can go to your lungs and create some death, really. Or it could go to your brain and cause you to have a stroke. Now, the interesting thing about DVT is that it's not caused by acting. It's not caused by doing something. It has nothing to do with movement. It's the exact opposite. It's caused because people are not moving. <laughs> They're not acting. They're just lying there, still stuck in this, as you would, immobile position. The famous American celebrity Will Rogers once said, he said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. And today's sermon is about moving forward. And our primary text will be from Romans 12, where St. Paul says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Why do we get stuck? It's not easy to say, sometimes why we get stuck, but there may be different reasons for each of us. Maybe it's worry. Uh, someone recently told me that uh, the German word for worry means to strangle. And some of us feel like we're being strangled in this environment. Uh, maybe it's disappointment. Perhaps someone has uh, injured you. We've all been injured. And, and we have a hard time letting go of that injury. And so it kind of immobilizes us from moving forward. It might even be the church who has wounded you. Uh, or maybe uh, some of us are, are overwhelmed. You know, a life is, for almost all of us, is much harder now. Because we've had to do pioneer work. It seems like everything we're doing is new to us because we've never done it that way before. 
And so for, for many, it's uh, shut down. And for some of you, perhaps you're uh, underwhelmed. Now this is an excuse to get away with everything. <laughs> because there's not much accountability. You can just hide under the COVID-19 flag, hold it up and say, oh, it's COVID-19, so we're doing nothing today. But St. Paul says, whether you're overwhelmed, underwhelmed, disappointed, worried, frustrated, never be lacking in zeal. Which is the first part of this text. That's interesting. He starts in the negative. As you think about never be lacking in zeal, what is he saying? Literally in the Greek he says, never be slothful. Never be tardy. Never be hesitant to serve God. Fight against being indifferent. Fight against being disinterested or lethargic. You have to not go there. You got to move. And then on the positive side, he says, instead of never lacking zeal, he says, keep your spiritual fervor. This is the NIV. Keep your spiritual fervor. Literally what it means is this. It means to keep boiling. Keep your spirit boiling. Stay hot. Isn't it great when you see people who are hot for Christ and you just see that they've been communing with him, connecting with him? The pragmatic question comes is how do we do that? How do we boil when we seem to be simmering down and cooling off? Well, let's consider Psalm 42 for a moment. Because in that psalm, what we see is the preacher, or the writer, I should say, is preaching to himself. <laughs> As he becomes a bit downcast, uh, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God. So what I'm suggesting here is when you get stuck, spiritually, preach to yourself. And it'll go a long way to help you. And of course, there's all kinds of things you could tell yourself. As we open the scriptures, we remember some things about God. Uh, so this morning I suggest three things you could, you could tell yourself. First of all, we have a Father who cares. Secondly, we have a future prepared for us. And finally, we have food to strengthen us into the future. We have a Father who cares for us. It's interesting, when the, when the disciples were talking to Jesus, uh, they said, you know, John's been teaching his, his students, his followers, uh, will you teach us? Teach us to pray. How should we pray? That's a great question, isn't it? What should we say to God when we talk to him? And it's very interesting what he says. He, he says, pray this way. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Notice carefully what Jesus does not say in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, 
He doesn't say start your prayer, O great creator of the world. O great ruler of the universe. O judge of all mankind. O Lord of all living things. He doesn't say start your prayer, O king of kings and lord of lords. And no doubt the scripture says that our God is all these things. But when we think about God and we want to talk to him and to share our heart with him, Jesus says, pray this way, our Father, our Father. Dr. Ralph Wilson says when we, when we look at Jesus' terminology, the most frequently used term in his reference to God is Father. It's a wonderful thought. We have a Father, a Father who cares and loves us. Psalm 103 puts it this way, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who reverence him. And so, as we think about our reverence for God, and we're trying to do what's right, trying to show him honor and respect, trying to move forward, remember, he's a father and he understands that he's going to provide for you. You know, it's interesting, uh, there was an article a couple of years ago, not that long ago, in Psychology Today. It says that people are struggling, many of them, with self-centeredness. And they're struggling with depression. And I see more and more of that in this past six months or so. And the article says, you can do a lot for yourself if you're feeling down. Uh, if you just simply get out of yourself, get up and, and go to the neighbor, go across the street. Or as Carl Menners used to say, go across the railroad tracks and help someone. And he said that 90% of the people in the psychiatric ward would, wouldn't need to be there. You can check that article out. I think it's, uh, I have a reference I can give you later if you want. Or you can contact me. But in terms of spiritually speaking, I mean, that's a pragmatic way. That will go a long way. I mean, after all, our Father loves us. And so we ought to share our love with the people around us. And a big way in which we can move forward is if we remember, if we remember that we have a Father. God is our Father. Online, early on uh, in this realm we're in, I was doing little children's sermons with my grandchildren. I have seven of them. And some of the older ones were online. And eventually we got rid of that because it's, I guess I wasn't good enough for keeping all their attention. But it worked for a little while. And uh, one of the things we did, and uh, I taught them about the Lord, was trying to teach them the Lord's Prayer. And I said, if you don't remember anything else about God as you're growing up, remember this. He's just like your dad, only like 10 million times better. Your dad's strong. Your dad's smart. Your dad cares for you. He has your best interests. He hugs you. He loves on you. And God's the same way. If you don't remember anything about God, the way you feel about your dad is the way you ought to feel about God. Only God's perfect. Because sometimes you're maybe not too happy with the way your dad, what your dad has done. But God always has your best interests in mind. Sadly, for some people, you never, you never knew your father. And some of you maybe didn't have the best relationship uh, with your father. And that's really sad. But thankfully, God says to you, as we see in this 2 Corinthians 6, God says, 
if you'll believe it, I will be your father. I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Jesus put it this way. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. So, uh, folks, as, as, we, as we get a little stuck and we want to get out of ourselves, we want to make a contribution moving forward, that's what that's about. It's leaving the world a little bit better, leaving that day better than what you found it. Uh, then we've got to get motivated. And motivation comes preaching to yourself, says, hey, my father cares for me. And that's going to help you. When you know you're kind of settled at the core, then you're going to start caring more for others and trying to con contribute, even though it costs you something. It costs God a whole lot uh, to love on you when he sent his son. Secondly, uh, when life is challenging for you and you're more or less stuck, uh, remember you have not only a father, but in Christ you have a future. Can you say that to yourself? I have a future. Repeat it. I have a future. See, the world is not our home as Christians. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is up there in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to his followers as he was going to be leaving them, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And I like what the King James says. In my Father's house are many mansions. There are many wonderful rooms. And if it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, guess what? He says, I will come back and take you to be with, my, with, be with me, that you may be where I am. God has a future for us. The problem is sometimes we're immobilized or we're feeling depressed and we feel like we can't move forward is because we can't see you've lost vision of that wonderful future that's yours. Let me share a story which I've heard uh, once or twice and maybe you've heard it, but it's very motivational to me. It's about Florence Chadwick III. Uh, she was a world-class American swimmer. Uh, she's the first one, a woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. Well, uh, John Cochran, I may have adapted his story a little bit, but Speaker John Cochran puts it this way. He says, it was a fog-shrouded morning, July 4th of 1952, when a young woman named Florence Chadwick waded into the water off Catalina Island. She intended to be the first woman to swim the 21 miles from the island to the California coast. So we're out west, 21 miles on this island off the coast of California. And uh, long, long distance, he says, swimming was not new to her. She had been the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. The water was numbing cold that day. The fog was so thick that she could hardly see the boats next to her in her party, you know, that people helping, assisting her if, if she got in trouble. He says that several, to several times sharks had to be driven away 
by firing rifles. She had been swimming more than 15 hours. Can you imagine? But she could not find it in her to keep on swimming forward. She just wanted to stop and call it quits. So she asked her trainer if they could take her out of the water. Her trainer tried to encourage her, saying, you know, we can't see it, but, you know, you're, you're really close. The shoreline is just there. I, I, I feel it. And, but Florence, all she could see was the thick fog. So she gave up. And after they lifted her from the water, put her in the boat, it was only a minute or so, she soon realized that she was less than one mile away from reaching her goal. Later, Florence Chadwick said, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, if I could have seen the land, I might have made it. It wasn't the cold, it wasn't the fear, it wasn't the exhaustion that caused Florence Chadwick to fall short. It was the fog. It was the fact that she couldn't see the dry land just ahead of her. Fellow believers, can you see? Can you see the dry land just beyond? Can you see that beautiful place that God has prepared for you who love him? John 16, 22. Jesus says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Believers in Christ, can you see the land, the land of God? Hebrews 11.8, you remember this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and he went. He moved out even though he did not know where he was going, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God, who had made the promise. And Hebrews 11 mentions a whole lot of people of faith. And in verse 13 in that chapter it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died, longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore God is not ashamed to call them, to be their, called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Can you see the city? By faith, can you see God's city prepared for you? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. My trials and your trials are temporary. The struggle of life is not going to last forever. What we have to go through, we may be worn down, beaten down, sometimes just tired and discouraged. But Paul says in Romans 13, 11, understand this in the present time. The hour has already come to you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. We're closer now to that land than when, when we first put our faith in Christ. And it won't be long till we'll be there. That's why we've got to 
not just hang on. That's why we've got to draw strength from God and to continue to crib, swim well and to press on well amidst life's trials and struggles. So what's at stake? What's at stake as you and I become lethargic? Or maybe you're at a season where you aren't, maybe you've been overwhelmed or you, you're underwhelmed and, and, you, and people look at you and you know what's at stake? What's at stake is that your children are watching. Your brothers and your sisters are watching. People who don't know Christ, the people you work with, they see you. And hopefully they see Christ living in you. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And I really love what uh, Kara Poling said a couple weeks ago. That was very inspiring to me. It just, she just simply said in passing, uh, it's important that we keep shining, that we are like a star in the sky. It might be a little twinkle, but it's a twinkle, and your twinkle counts. People see, and they notice if there's a star missing. Oh, I don't see the north star tonight. What happened to it? Oh, there's a cloud in front of it. People need to see our light because we're on a journey. And people need to find the pathway to eternal life. And we are the light that lights the pathway. Which brings us to our last point. We not only have a Father who loves us, that's why we can keep moving forward. Not only do we have a future prepared that's bright and hopeful, but we have food for the journey. We're on a journey as you can see from this, this slide, that uh, God could have forgiven us our sins and taken us straight to heaven, couldn't he? He could have just created a brand new world instantaneously and let, it, let us, us be part of it, but he didn't. Instead, we're on a journey. And it's important that we journey well. You know, we often hear inspiring stories. We hear about people who are grocery shopping for an elderly person. We hear about someone checking in uh, on another person to see how they're doing, or, or calling or texting someone to encourage them. You hear about people going out of their way, and I love to hear those stories. To make someone's life just a little better, doing something uh, to make the world a better place. But we have a tangled wilderness, and some days we're just, we're just tired. We're just worn out, and it seems like it's impossible. All we can do is just put one foot in front of the other to press on. You know, we're not the only ones who have to go through a wilderness, but the Israelites, think about it, because this is a story that God, a historical event that happened, and a story preserved for our inspiration. You think of the analogy of the, the Israelites. Here they had been 400 years in captivity. God freed them just as he freed you in Christ and forgiven you your sins. And now you're a free person. But like I say, you don't go straight to heaven. You have to live a life. You know, it might be 40 years or 60 years or whatever. Well, Israelites had, the Israelites had 40 years in the desert. 
They had to travel, and it was a harsh travel. But guess what? God strengthened them. He provided them strength for 40 years. He provided manna from heaven. And by the way, manna means, what's this? <laughs> what is this stuff? It's a sweet-tasting, wafer-like piece of food. Little bits of food that tasted like it was made with honey. Exodus 16.31. The bread was called manna. And it was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. And as you see from this, by the way, this, this slide's from a uh, German Bible back in the 15th century. And there's another similar slide. You can see the food manna coming down from heaven. But then there's another thing. The manna just didn't like jump up on their table and into their mouths. <laughs> they had to go gather it. Exodus 16.4 Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, and the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. They had to gather the food. God provided something sweet for them, something to strengthen them. Day after day, each working day, they had to go get it. And, you know, there's a great principle for daily living. And here it is. The great rule of thumb is that people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Gather enough food for the day to strengthen you. That's the rule of thumb. What I'm saying is that you've got to feed your spirit every day. You see this slide over my shoulder here? Your spirit is the heart and strength of who you are. Your spirit is the heart and strength of who you are. Feed it well. Some of all of us have this COVID problem. But other, some of us also have another problem. It's even worse than COVID. Because we aren't feeding ourselves well in this period. Matthew 4, you need to preach this to yourself. Tell yourself that mankind shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Tell yourself that what was written in former days was written for your instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, you might have hope. Romans 15, 4. Preach this to yourself when you're down and you're feeling low and you feel like, I can't help anybody, I can't bless someone today. Tell yourself we had the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and I would do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises. As you see, as I said, your spirit is the heart and strength of who you are, and we need to feed it. And so God has given you a source of strength. And fortunately, as we've gone through this COVID-19 period, it took us a while to figure out how to get food, didn't it? You finally figured it out. You know, how to put groceries in your homes, put food on your tables. And you've discovered Instacart, Peapod, Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, or you've masked up, 
or you got someone to get it for you. People, we found a way to eat. My question is this to myself and to you. Have you, find, have you found a way to feed your spirit every day? If you have, keep feeding it. If you, there are seasons, you know, in life, and, and these seasons get in the way. And sometimes we aren't doing so well because we're not feeding the inner self. Some of my friends tell me they've gotten, in this period, they've gotten out of touch with Christians. They've gotten out of touch with God's church. They've gotten out of touch with God, and you feel like they're not well off inwardly, spiritually, and they don't like it. Well, on a personal level, I must admit, I know I have the same issues. But on a personal level, I've discovered it during different seasons, I need to feed myself in different ways each day. Some seasons, I just put verses above my sun visor, my car. Sometimes I put them on the refrigerator. Sometimes I, have a, I put a devotional or a Bible in the bathroom. I mean, that's downtime there. And you've got something uh, to feed yourself. Uh, right now, we're playing uh, free Bible sermon audio. It's uh, Bible Gateway. Playing the Bible on computer. Sometimes Kay will play for me or I'll play it for her or I'll listen to it by myself. And uh, lately also when this period started, I started sending out, I was worried about my four sons and their children. So every day I send out a, a scripture for the day with a little picture that I find online. Verse of the day. Find it in five minutes or sometimes it takes me an hour. But uh, hopefully a good picture to go along with the verse. And I'm hoping they'll put it in their pocket or put it in their mind because that's going to help them in the workplace and help them get through the day. We need to feed our spirits. And the Bible says that the, the Word of God, that this book, is a, it's a sword that pierces. It's a hammer that crushes the things that don't belong into our life. Jeremiah 23. It's a fire that consumes things that don't belong. Jeremiah, I mean, uh, Jeremiah 5. It's a light that shines in dark places. Psalm 119. It's bread that can strengthen and satisfy us during our journey. Indeed, we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When we open the book, we find renewed strength. We remember that there is a brighter and better land above. We remember that we do have a Father who loves us above, watching over us. We remember we have a Father who has sent us Christ, who is the bread of heaven. And whoever eats and drinks from his hand, each day will find strength for that day and enough strength that will carry you into eternity. Let us pray. Lord, never let us be lacking in zeal. Let us keep our spiritual fervor, serving the Lord who has served us so well by coming into the world to live a perfect life for us that we might have his life record by faith and then to die on our behalf, to suffer, take the judgment we deserve 
You have served us so well, Lord, and risen to prepare a place for us. Give us strength as we feed upon you each day that we might move forward in a God-honoring way and take our families and friends to us into a remarkable future. To a Father who loves us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.